Sisler with us in service again today, and uh, he's done a tremendous job preaching around here, preached for us last uh, Thursday and Sunday, and uh, really tapped into the mind of God, and, and we heard the voice of the Lord, there's no question about it, and we're glad that they are with us again today. I want him to come and greet this congregation before we turn our preacher loose today. Brother Sisler, we're glad that you and your family are here. Praise God. Praise the Lord, everybody. Is anybody happy about being in church this morning? God has come to meet with us in this house today. There is no telling what God can do if we would just let our faith go today. I've come to wake somebody up this morning. There is no telling what God can do if we would let our faith go. Hallelujah. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. What do you need today? What do you need today? Hallelujah. The Bible tells us a story about a lame man in Acts chapter number 3. He had gotten content to get up and go to church, go in the same way he came, leave the same way he came. But I'm telling you, there was something going on the day he got his miracle. He didn't expect anything different. The Bible says he came expecting something. You better have an expectation in your heart if you're going to get anything from God. But you know what? He was content with doing things the way they'd always been done. Peter and John walked by him. Can I have another quarter today? All I need is enough to get me through the day. And God said, I want to give you a million dollar miracle if you'll just open your heart and you'll have faith to believe it. Oh, who wants their miracle today? Who wants what God has for them today? Who's willing to say, God, I'm going to open myself up. I'm going to allow myself to feel your presence, to feel your touch, oh God. This isn't just a Sunday morning for somebody. This could be miracle day for somebody. The lame man came lame, but he left different than the way he came in. Do you want to leave the same way you came, or do you want your miracle? How many of you are willing to smite here today? How many of you are willing to take the arrow and say, I've got to have my miracle? Miracle today. I'm not going to give it up. I'm not going to abort the baby. I got to have everything that God wants me to have. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, let's praise the Lord, everybody. Let's praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 It's miracle time. New Life Pentecostal Church. It's Revival time, New Life Pentecostal Church. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Brother Sisler. And again, so glad to have them here this weekend. And we're going to be seeing more out of them in uh, the days to come. Praise God. Amen. We're excited about that. So very, very glad to have Brother and Sister Kenneth Freeman with us. And uh, he is pastoring a church in Chillicothe, Ohio. And the last time he was with us, he was evangelizing and uh, preached a lengthy revival for us. Those of you that were here and a part of the church will no doubt remember uh, the great and wonderful move of God that we've had uh, with this man and his family. And it's just been too many years since they've been back. It really has. But we are glad that God opened the door and provided the way for them to be able to come and be a part of this service this weekend um, after our great heritage conference. 
we'll say more about the conference in tonight's service or the time we had. Uh, obviously, we're weary. I haven't seen any of you young people running the aisles yet today. Um, had a few electrical issues on the van in the middle of the night last night and didn't get back home until about 4 o'clock this morning. And, uh, of course, they're all bright-eyed and smiley this morning because young people don't need any sleep. <laughs> Us old folks now, it's a little different story. And uh, but anyhow, but i um, so glad to have the Freemans and, and I know I've said it before, but of course, Sister Freeman, we've, we've known since she was younger than her kids. I don't even know, I don't even know how old she was way back then. Of course, we're, neither of us are that old, so it, it, it can't have been that long ago, but, but, uh, but we've known her for many, many years. She and her family were in my home church in Dallas, Texas, and uh, so we knew them long before she married Brother Feeman, and uh, we're glad, so glad that they're here. Brother Feeman has blessed this church so many times. And I have such confidence in this man. I know that he walks with God. And I know that we are about to hear the mind of God expressed in this service. Well, praise God. You know, that's the difference between apostolic preaching and so much of the preaching that you find in the church world today. Because you're not just going to hear a sermon today. But you're going to hear the mind of God expressed. That's what I want. That's what I want. Amen. In fact, really, that's what John 1 and 1 really means. In the beginning was the word. Word there, the logos, the expression of God's mind, the expression of God's plan and purpose. In the beginning, in the beginning, God had a plan. And that plan was with God. And that plan was God. And that plan was made flesh and dwelt among us. Amen. And I'm going to tell you, that's what happens when we get into an apostolic service. God's got a plan for this service. God's got a plan for your life. Well, hallelujah. If we can tap into the Spirit of God, if we can get under the anointing and unction of the Holy Ghost, not just expect the preacher to get there, but if we can get there, well, hallelujah. We'll get a word from God before we leave this house today. If we can get into the mind of God, if we can get in to the anointing and the flowing of God's unction today, then we're going to leave this place changed. Oh, hallelujah. Amen, amen. And that's exactly what I want. Let's stand this morning in honor of the man of God, brother and sister Feeman and... Uh, Girls, we are so, so, young ladies, I'm sorry, young ladies, we are so glad, so glad that you folks are here. We love these folks. They really are just like family to us, and uh, we love them dearly and so very, very glad that they're here. I want him to come and take his liberty. Would you say it with me today? Brother Feeman, preach to me. Let's say it, Brother Feeman, preach to me. Come, take your liberty. Praise the Lord, everyone. Good to be in the house of the Lord. You may be seated. And I would like my wife to get ready and sing. 
you heard my singing, you're really going to appreciate hers. That's why she does the singing and I do the preaching. And it is so good to be back here in Olathe and have a lot of good memories here. And have a few not so good memories. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kicking. I'm, I'm glad we serve a great God. Hallelujah. I actually woke up this morning and a thought was on my mind and I'm not going to preach it. I've got something else. God began to deal with me last night, late last night, and uh, I've got a message I uh, God has given me to preach well over a month ago, and I'm going to preach it tonight, and I already know where it's, which way I'm going with that, and God has given that to me, but I was trying to decide which way to go this morning, and God began to deal with me last night, and it's not what I came expecting to preach. You know, I learned to follow God because if I try to do it on my own, it's going to be a disaster. But if I, if I depend upon God, the Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not to thine own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him. You know, something good happens, we, we pin it on us. Well, it was my ability that got me there. It was my this and that. If it wasn't for God, you wouldn't even be here. You need, to, you need to put all your trust and belief in Jesus Christ. It's not by luck. It's not by chance. But it's by divine inter intervention that you're even in this house today. Hallelujah. But I, I woke up this morning and there was a scripture running through my head. Paul said, forgetting those things which are behind. And, I, and I'm not going to preach that. It just kept running through my mind this morning and I, I was up before seven this morning and I was seeking God because of what he had given me. I want to, you know, I get nervous every time I come to a pulpit. And some people think, well, that, that's just crazy. Well, you, you understand there's souls in the balance every time we come to the house of God. And I evangelized for years and pastoring now for a little over three years. We started our church in Chillicothe. There were just seven of us. And I was counting the other day, and on, on Sunday, the ones I know that'll be there, and we don't we don't have a bus route. We just we just purchased a van not too long ago. But we have 32 that I know are going to be there on Sundays. And normally we run close to 40, and we've been there only three years. But I've watched God take people that were hungry. You see, there's the key. And I had an elder tell me when I went there, I went and preached for him for several weeks before I decided that's where we was going. And he told me, he said, when you pray, he said, pray for hungry people. He said, because people that are already full really don't want what you have. He said, but when they come hungry, he said, they're willing to receive what you're giving them. You know, a hungry man's going to eat whatever you give him. But somebody that's not hungry, they're, they're, they're going to be choosy. Well, I don't want that. You know, I, I'm not a buffet person. I, I don't do a lot of buffets. But I have ate at them, gold corral, and different ones. And you could be picky and choosy there. You know, you don't like this, you don't have. But if you have an eight in two or three weeks and you walk in there, you don't care what you pick up off that buffet because you're going to eat it. When you're hungry for God, you're going to come. You're going to come into the house of God. And you're going to say, God, I want whatever the man of God wants to give me. I'm not going to be choosy today. 
I'm not going to be picky today. I'm not going to say, well, you know what? I've heard that a hundred times. You may have heard it a million times. But there's something God is trying to get across to you. We become satisfied because we've had the Holy Ghost for a little while. Oh, I want to be hungry today. God, I want you to speak to me today, God. I want to feel a mighty touch of the Holy Ghost. But I can't receive it if I ain't hungry. Hallelujah. We criticize, be seated. We criticize the preacher. We criticize things that he preaches. But you know what? If he gets in the Word of God, you ought, to, you ought to take that Bible and say, God, thank you. Thank you for sending a preacher. Thank you for sending a pastor, God, that cares for my soul, God, that loves me. Because if he's preaching this Word, that's how you're going to be saved. You ain't going to be saved by nice flowery messages and oratory messages. But you know what? The, the, the messages and the services that we remember the most are the times when the Holy Ghost moves. And it's not just up to the pastor to get the Holy Ghost to move. Because God's word shall not return void. If he gets up here and he begins to preach, it's not just him. The Bible says the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. You know, I remember when my first daughter was born. She just graduated this year, and I was talking to Brother Burgess, and I said, man, that kind of shakes me up. I said, man, I, you know, I, I haven't crossed this path. He said, brother, I still ain't comprehending it. But you know, I remember when she was born. I walked out of there. I, I held her. My wife had the baby, had her C-section, and I walked back there. They cleaned her up, and they put her in my arms, and tears were streaming down my face, brother, because there was life. And I remember I, I had to give it back to the nurse, and I went out. My mom was standing there, and her parents were standing there. I was crying, and they're, they're, they're like, well, it's happy. I said, I know, but everything's good with her. It's life. You know, you go to a funeral and you weep tears of sadness. But there's something about life. There's something about life. And the Bible says, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. There ought to be times that this word brings tears to your eyes because you feel what's being preached. There ought to be times that tears stream down your face because you can feel the power of the Holy Ghost. If I could feel the power of the Holy Ghost, I would be saying, God, wake me up. God, shake me today, God. Let me feel, God, your presence. Let me feel, God, the life that you have breathed into this church. Let me feel the life you breathed in in Acts chapter 2. And I'm going to say this, and I'm going to let my wife sing. I, I am, we are thrilled to be here. We love brother and sister Regan in this church and see a lot of familiar faces and I see some new faces and that's always good but we love brother and sister Regan and he has, he has helped me many times he's, he's preached in Chillicothe he prayed a man through there when he was there and, uh, 
said he wanted to go to a church because his family was going there. Now, I don't know. Some people say it's a coincidence, but I pulled into the hotel yesterday, and I got a text from that man. And it still odd. He still calls me pastor, and he supposedly goes to another church. And he said, can I meet with you this week? And I said, if it works out, we'll get together. I'll let you know later in the week. And he said, you've really been on my mind, and that church has been on my mind. I really need to talk to you. You know, there's something when you experience life, and you go somewhere where there ain't life. But brother and sister Regan have meant so much to me and my family. There's many times I call this good man. I've got a question. I need some help. And I call my pastor, too. My pastor has given me leeway now that I am pastor to reach out and get a hand to help. And Brother Regan is one of them men. And uh, we love him dearly. And I'm glad. I'm glad we're friends. I, I remember going back and preaching for him in Mississippi. I think that's what that was called. It was either that or hell. I couldn't remember the name of that town. Uh, it was one, you know. <laughs> friends, Brother Sisler, we love him. We love him very much. He's one of the few that I talk to quite often. I'm not a phone person. I don't like phones. I was thankful when they invented text messages. But you know what? It's it's good being around friends like that, but it's good to have a God that I can take everything to. I don't have to pick up a phone and call him. I don't have to worry about whether he answers me or whether he don't answer me because I know he's going to be with me. And, uh, you know, I, I just want God to have his way. I just want God to have his way with me. And we are thrilled to be in the house of the Lord. God bless you all. Aren't you glad you serve a God that loves us and is with us no matter what we go through in life? About, I guess, four years ago, I started experiencing a lot of pain in my body and I felt felt like I had the flu just perpetually that just would never go away and the doctors um, did a bunch of blood work and they said well it could be lupus and it just hadn't showed up in your blood yet and it, it could be this and it could be that but they didn't have any answers and even um, was to the point of well I think that you just are clinically depressed and maybe you need to go on um, some medicine for that and I said no I'm not for an answer, but God finally led me to an answer. I was at a bookstore, and I walked by, and this book just jumped out at me, which was like, pick me up, and so I did, and I started looking up all the things that they said, what well, could be this, it could be that, and I started looking up all those diseases, and the one thread that they had in common was a little word called gluten, and um, I noticed that every single sickness that they said I might have was said to avoid gluten, and so I started um, eating a gluten-free diet, which is very difficult. I don't know if you know anything about it, but it means you can't have anything that has touched flour. And it doesn't even have to have flour in and of itself. For instance, you could go to McDonald's and order some fries, but they would still be full of gluten because the same grease that they fry those fries in has fried chicken nuggets and whatever else in. So I finally found the answer. And so for a year I suffered with the pain and then a year, maybe two years I lived a gluten-free 
stuff and my husband was preaching and it was just one of those services and I thought, you know what, I'm always on the piano and always having to do this and that and I have a hard time sometimes getting into the service because I'm trying to make sure everybody else gets into it. And so I went up front and I got prayer and I want to thank God because he healed me that day and I I don't have to cook two separate meals for my family. I can just fix whatever and I don't have to worry when I go out to eat and it's just awesome that he cared enough to do that little thing for me and I just appreciate him.
Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Sometimes we have to go through things to realize that he's God. You know, if it's always on a mountaintop, you don't ever really need a God experience. But it's a shame when we get on the mountaintop that we don't have a God experience. Hallelujah. And uh, I'm thankful for God. I'm thankful for the will of God. Thankful for what God is doing. If you have your Bibles, I don't plan on preaching long. I'll, I'll try to let you out before church tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. John chapter 10. <clears throat> and I, I don't plan on preaching long. I'm just joking. Pa Pastor Davis used to say anything, anything under three hours is not long. So. John 10 and 10. It's a common verse that... Last night, God began to deal with me, and I uh, actually had something else I was going to preach this morning, and just kept coming back to this, and again this morning, I got up and began to pray, and you know, the will of God's important. It's important in each and every one of our lives, but I know you've probably already read it, but it says, the thief, thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. And I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Maybe that's why I'm so stuck on life today. It's not just life but that we might have it more abundantly. It goes beyond just having life, but we ought to have something that's more than just normal. And I want to preach for a little while just on this subject. Accepted defeat. Accepted defeat. We can lift our hands and ask the Lord to help us right now. Lord, we love you, Jesus. We thank you, God, for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the promises that are in your word. Lord, we pray that you would have your way today, God, that you would talk to our hearts and our minds and our souls. God, that you would deal with each and every individual in this house, God. Lord, this is your church and your people, God, and we pray that you would speak to us today. God, that you would talk to our hearts and our minds, God. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for each and every one that's here, God. Lord, and we pray that you would move in this house, God. Lord, let your glory fill this place today. We'll give you the glory and the praise. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. God bless you. You may be seated. Accepted defeat. You look up the word accept, and it says to agree. You, you look at the word defeat, and it said to lose. So I, I, I took that, and you begin to put it together, and it says to agree, to lose. So many times in life, we just accept defeat. So many times in life, we want to accept what the devil does to us. We just want to take it and say, okay, I'll deal with it. You don't have to deal with it when we serve the God that we serve. He wants to give you life and give it more abundantly. God's not a dead church. We don't believe in dead church. We don't believe in letting the devil have his way, but we believe in life. And what's the best way to get life is to receive the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Be seated. 
But too many times we accept the failures, the mistakes we make. We accept them for what they are. Oh, well, you know, I made a mistake. I, I, I just, you know what? I am so thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ. I am thankful that he went to Calvary so that when I made a mistake, uh, he could cover my sin. Uh, uh, no, I'm, not, I'm not condoning sinning, just going out and sinning and saying, well, God's a merciful God. Uh, God is a merciful God. Uh, but the Bible says to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. I'm not condoning sin, but the times we make mistakes, uh, we, we sit back and we accept defeat. Uh, the times the devil's worked us over and he's lied to us, we've accepted it. Uh, well, I can't pray through. Uh, I can't get victory. I've come today and I just can't. You know what? You've accepted it. You ain't going to get anything today. Uh, you ain't going to have anything. Uh, but if somewhere uh, you say, hey, I'm not going to accept this. Uh, we're not going to have dead church anymore. Uh, we're not going to have drugs church anymore too many times we accept it instead of doing something about it yeah, let me be seated I was assisting in Vider, Texas for Brother Bowick when I was there for a couple years I was over the school and assistant pastor and we went to purchase a truck I wanted to buy a Toyota Tundra, and we walked into the dealership, and we made a deal, and they said, come back tomorrow about 5 o'clock, we'll have your truck here, you know, we got to get it from another dealership, whatever, I said, okay, so we did that, and we got there, and walked in, and they said, well, come on here, well, they're cleaning the truck up, and I said, well, what are they cleaning it up for, ain't it new? Oh, well, you know, we brought it, we just want to wash it for you and fill it up with gas, and Okay, so they took me in, and we signed the papers, and we was in there for an hour, hour and a half, you know how that goes. And when we come out, everybody's gone. The place is closed, and the, even my salesman's gone. And the guy, the finance guy, hands me the keys and walks me to the truck, and here's the truck. And I look at it, and I said, that's not a V8. He goes, well, no, it, 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 that's not what we, I said, no, 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 no. That's not what we agreed on. I said, I've got the papers at home that said it's supposed to have a V8 in it. He goes, well, this gets better gas mileage. I said, I don't care about the gas mileage. That's not what I accepted. That's not what I just sit there and sign loan papers for. So I, I could have just said, well, okay, I'll take the truck. You know, it's, it's new and it's nice and, oh, gosh, gee, I'll take it. I could have done that, you know. But I didn't want to accept it because that's not what I had made the deal for. I said, no. I said, he said, well, I, I'm just a finance guy. And then he, all of a sudden, he got real nervous. I, I, I can't. Uh, I said, I, that's fine. I said, I'll take the truck, but I will be back in the morning. He said, well, okay. Well, I get there in the morning, and my salesman's called off that day. I said, I, don't, I, said, I want to talk to the manager. I said, I didn't come to see a salesman anyway. So they come in, and, they, and I took the papers with me. I began to, oh, well, well yeah, and by the time it was done, two days later, I had my truck. But if I wouldn't have said anything, and see, here's the whole deal. The value of that truck was $4,000 less, but they had charged me for the V8. And I could have said, well, I'll pay $4,000 for nothing. I'll just, I, I like that car dealership so well, I'll give them an extra $4,000. 
I could have just accepted. How many times do we accept the garbage the devil gives us? How many times do we accept coming to church and going through the motions uh, when you can have a real move of God? Uh, too many times we come in here and we sit on the pew uh, and we raise our hands when we're supposed to. Uh, we stand when we're supposed to. Uh, oh, we know how to do it. We're apostolics. Uh, but I wonder what would happen if we threw away rituals, uh, we threw away routines, uh, and we said, God, move in this house. Uh, God, I know it's Sunday morning, but you can feel with the Holy Ghost. We see that too many times we accept everything the devil throws our way. Oh, well, we're a failure. We're a mistake. You can't live for God. Well, I'll just accept it. You'll accept it and go to hell like that. You'll just accept eternity like that. Somewhere you got to get a backbone. Somewhere you got to stand up and say, I'm not accepting the devil, what the devil's been giving me. We got to have victory. You know what? If you go long enough without victory, you ain't going to know what happens when it comes in here. If you go long enough sitting there watching, you ain't going to know what happens when the Holy Ghost moves in this house. On the day of Pentecost, they were in the upper room of about 120. It didn't start with that. It started with a whole lot more. What happened? Why was there only 120? Because there were some that maybe just showed up for the show, brother. Maybe they just, because if they really wanted to move with the Holy Ghost, they'd have stayed. You see, that begins some of the problem. We come and go through the motions, uh, but we really don't want to change. We really don't want to move a God because it'll stir us up. We don't want God to really... We really don't want God to move in here because we're, we're satisfied with what we got. Hey, Brother Feeman, we got a good church. We don't want to stir it up, God. We don't want to change anything. I'm not talking about changing your doctrines or your standards. I'm talking about accepting what the devil gives you. I know your pastor. I know your doctrines and your standards are right. I know him. I'm not here to preach that. But I'm here to preach on complacency today. The devil comes to kill, to steal, and destroy. Be seated. If you had a person trying to break in your house, you're going to sit there and let them? We was, we was, at, we was at a place lived there. And we was assisting it. Two in the morning, we're in bed. And I hear this banging on my door. So I jump up, and yeah, I, 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 I care. I, I got my conceal and carry. I jump up, and I grab my gun. My wife and girls are in there. I'm in there. You know, people always say, well, you're going to protect your family. Yeah, but I'm going to protect me, too. <laughs> And I, I jump up, and I said, who is it? And it, it was a lady, and she's got the doorknob, and, I, of course, I've got it deadbolted. You can hear it thudding her shoulder against my door. And she, I'd only been to that church, brother, for about three weeks. And she hollers out some name to someone in the church. 
He said, that don't sound right. So I called the pastor and I said, hey, I said, uh, so-and-so's at my door saying she's hungry. I said, but she's trying to break my door down. He goes, who'd she say she was? And he said, it's not her. She, she, she wouldn't need nothing to eat. Hold on, I'm coming. Well, she's sitting there banging on the door, and I said, she said, let me in. I said, you need to leave. And she said, no, I want in. I said, you don't want in with what I got waiting for you. And she kept on, and I said, you just need to shut up and sit down out there until the pastor gets here. She said, you called him, and about that time, I hear this dead silence, and three cop cars come flying in there. And I, she goes, oh, my God. Well, I, I look out the window, and there's about four cops standing there. So it's a little more safer to go out now. So I open up the door, and I walk out, and she's sitting there. And he goes, you know her? Well, I never seen her. She wasn't in church. I mean, she come, you could tell she wasn't in church. And I looked there, and I said, I don't know her. And she looked up, and she said, but I know you. good. Jesus, I know and Paul, I know, but who are you? I said, I'm glad you know me. Puts me up here, Jesus and Paul. <laughs> she goes, but I know you. And I said, I don't, I don't know. He said, you want to press charges? I said, sure. I said, why not? So while I'm standing out there, here comes a car, Brother Riggins, with four men in it driving around. Their whole deal was they was trying to pull me outside so they could, they could beat up on me a little bit. They'd have got a surprise because I had six bullets and there was only four of them. But you know, I wasn't going to allow somebody to come into my home. I wasn't going to allow somebody without doing my best, Brother Sisler, to stop them from taking what I had. And even though she it was a woman, I don't care who it is, they come in, they're going to get a surprise. I, I have a gun in my house today, in my, right, right in my bedroom, because if they come in, I, you know what? They're not welcome in my house. I didn't invite them there. Some of you really need to realize the devil's not welcome in here. He's not welcome in your life unless you invite him there. Now, if you invite him there, that's on you. If you invite him there, don't expect a pastor to get him out. You know, we, we get our be seated, we get ourselves in jams and then we come to church and say, Pastor, I, you know, you know what? Don't expect him to get you out of what you got yourself into. I remember when David come back and Ziglag had been burned, and he laid there and he wept and they talked about stoning David. Ain't nobody walked up and said, come on, David, you can do it, son. Come on, get up. No, David began to encourage himself in the Lord. You always want somebody to lay hands on you when you're in trouble. You always want somebody to come and bail you out. You know how to get the victory? Pull yourself up. Get up out of it yourself because you accepted it in the first place. You received it in the first place. Because when you accept it, it opens you up. If I would have walked and opened that door and said, come on in, I'd have been an idiot. Sometimes we come in and we allow the devil. You can't get victory today. 
Remember what you've done? You failed God. I'm glad Peter didn't accept it, brother. I'm glad Peter was sitting there. You, you failed him, you know. That cock crew three times, and you, you failed him, Peter. You denied him three times. The Bible says Peter went and wept bitterly. But don't you know when they said, hey, Jesus is calling for you, Peter. He didn't say, oh, God, I can't go. I made a mistake. That's what we do. We've been out. You know what? I'm not condoning sin, but when we fail, the worst thing you can do is sit there and feel sympathy. Worst thing you can do is sit there and say, oh, God, I can't go to that altar today. I failed you. And we sit there. And everybody else is shouting, but we're like, you know what? I've made so many mistakes. I've failed God so much. You know, Peter didn't say that. But when God called him, he come running. He come running. He said, hey, you know what? And John was just a little faster than Peter. John, John could run. John got, uh, got to that tomb and he stopped. Peter said, no, let's go on in. He said, we're going, I was called here. You know what? You get here, you might as well go all the way. You might as well get all you can out of God. God, instead of stopping at the pew. We stop. I told, I told my church, be seated. I said, we stop. That's the first sign of resistance. That first sign of resistance, we stop. I can't go anymore. You know what, if you learn to push through that, there's so much greater victory on the other side. When you learn to push through, we just accept it. Well, I prayed and I don't feel anything. We put our head down and we walk out. God didn't love me today. God was there for somebody else. You see, we, we were the ones that put the restrictions on God. I preached a revival for an elder, and he told me, he said, you know, he said, when I, I get up to preach, he said, I tell them we're going to have a move of God. And he, and he goes, you know, he said, I've had people say, well, Elder, what if you don't have a move of God? He said, it's not God's fault. Well, why, why, did, why, why didn't we have a move of God? Because, you know, we ought to come in, just like Brother Sister said, expecting a move of God. Instead of coming in and expecting a little sermon, well, maybe he'll preach good today. Maybe he won't. Uh, maybe he'll preach something wonderful. Maybe he won't. And we just accept whatever we receive. Because the devil's going to steal it from you. He's going to sit on your pew. And he's going to sit in your ear. And he's going to tell you all the mistakes that were made today. He's going to tell you all the reasons you shouldn't pray. He's going to tell you about all your failures. He's going to tell you about all your mistakes. And we've learned to sit on the pew and accept everything that he tells us. We've learned to sit there and say we can't have a move of God. And we've accepted it. Well, you know, we, we were allowed one bad church service. What if God come this afternoon? Oh, brother, that ain't going to happen. Brother, I'd like to be around that day it does happen. And I'd like to see the people's faces that always said it wasn't ever going to happen. 
You look at the world today, and I, I was thinking about this. I heard an elder the other day, Brother Rigan, say, you know, we, we, we shouldn't talk about the fear of God coming back. It shouldn't be a fear of God coming back. The Bible says comfort one another with these words. Uh, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Uh, that ought to be a comfort to you. Uh, if it's not a comfort to you today, you need to get to an altar and say, God, uh, I want to be ready when you come. Uh, God, I want to be comforted with them words. But it's not comforting anymore because, you know, we, we, like, we like our entertainment too well. We like to know, brother, we live in such a, such a world where we, we know what everybody's doing at all the times anymore. We know where they ate. We know what they had. We know where they went. We know everything that's going on. We, we, we live in a technology-savvy world. And sometimes we're more caught up in that then we are God. Now, this is me. This is, this is you know, I, I got, me and Brother Regan have some of the same DNA. Me and Brother Cicero got all the DNA. And I say that because him and my pastor grew up in the same church. Me and Brother Cicero grew up in the same church. But I, I told my church, I was sitting there, and I, brother, I was preaching my guts out. Man, we had, we had people praying in the altars. And I look back, and there's a lady on the phone. <laughs> My God, that thing's more important than God is. I said, oh, brother, I, I seen red. And I thought it was the color the devil wears with the horns and all that. I didn't get up and say anything over the pulpit. I Went back and I said, uh, I hope that phone's important. I hope that whatever you're doing is important. She goes, oh, 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 oh well, well, I, I was just telling, telling so-and-so I was going to be over for dinner. I said, oh, yeah, that's important. I said, we don't want to miss dinner. Heaven forbid. I don't know what she was doing. Maybe that's what she was doing. I, but we're so caught up in that. What happened to them two hours that we can just get alone with God? What happened with that time uh, that we can put everything else away, uh, that we can throw everything else aside uh, and say, God, move in this house. Uh, God, move in this place. Uh, what happened to that day uh, when we didn't care about the phones uh, and we didn't care about text messaging, but we said, God, give me a direct line today. Uh, God, let me feel a touch of the Holy Ghost. Because if you're so caught up in that, what are you giving God? What are you giving God if you can't even walk in here for a few hours and dedicate all that time to God? What happens to that time when it's just you and God and not everybody else on connection on the phone? I can get a hold of some people Real fast, there's others, they won't call right back. You know what? It shouldn't be that way with God. Sometimes we don't have the move of God like we need because we're so caught away with what we're going to do right after church that we're planning it right in the middle of church. And then we want God to move. God, why ain't you moving? 
He's saying, because you're worried about dinner, you're worried about the next thing that happened. I don't care if it's popular or not. I prayed about this today. I talked to God about it. God's not your number one priority. Yourself is. We can't dance and shout anymore because we're worried about everything else. You see, I promise I'm not going to preach long. But I, uh, I went to that church, just me and my wife, my kids and my brother, four, almost five years ago, I had a knee replacement. I was live flighted to Columbus from Ashland, Kentucky, with a 5% chance to live. I'd thrown double pulmonary embolisms. And they didn't think I was going to make it, 5% chance. I remember I called my pastor. He came in there to pray for me. I didn't have my phone. But you know what? I'm glad Brother Riggle, when he didn't walk in that, 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 that emergency room, I'm glad he didn't say, hold on, let me text him. I have 5% chance to live. I didn't say, oh, we'll text somebody. He walked in there, Brother Riggle, and he began to pray. My wife was there. My brother was there. Sister Davis was there. Holy Ghost beginning with that. There was a holy hush in the ER. There was a holy hush in the place. My brother said, I was standing down the hall. He said it was so strong, I was talking in tongues in the hallway. He said, I ain't never felt nothing like it. Later that day, my power, well, later after I'd laid life fly to me and went through whatever, he told me, he said, when I walked in your room, he said, there was a spirit of death in there. He said, you were gray. I'm telling you, I feel the bumps of the Holy Ghost running all over my spine right now. He said, there was a spirit of death. You know what? I was glad when he walked in there, Elder. He wasn't texting on that phone. He wasn't calling somebody else. But he knew how to touch God. We're so worried what everybody's going to think about us. Well, they're going to think I'm the pastor's buddy. They're going to think I'm Mr. Holy Joe. Well, I'd rather be Mr. Holy Joe than Mr. Lost Joe. I'm trying not to get into tonight, brother. But I'm telling you, we're so caught up. The devil stole so many things. We, we need to go back to the old paths. We need to go back to the days when we leave our cell phones out in the car. We don't even, you know, I'm not the pastor. That's up to your pastor. I'm telling you what I feel. I'm telling you what I tell my church. And I said, hey, if God ain't important enough for you to leave your phone out there, then God ain't important. Oh, but what if somebody needs me? They'll do it the same way they did 20 years ago. They'll call the church line. Oh, my God. Oh, but my God, what if so-and-so? 
You know what? You, you ain't here for God. You, you're here for church because your conscience says don't be lost. But you ain't really here for a move of God. Because if you was, God would be priority number one. be seated but oh we let him come in and steal our joy we let him come in because God's not number one priority in our lives anymore we're caught up on us we're caught up on what about us yeah they life lied to me I got metal in my knee you know there, there's I shouldn't be out there showing people how to worship yeah they the doctor said hey you know you don't need to be jumping you don't need to be dancing brother I started dancing I started shouting because if I don't do it them new people that never knew anything about Pentecost they ain't gonna know how to do it some of you that's been here for a long time you need to show how it's done you need to get in your heart you need to learn how to worship because you love God And you need to do it when he's not sitting right there. God's using this man in Africa to do great things. He don't need to come back and crank it up again. It ought to be cranked up when he walks in here. But if our worship is predicated on who's watching us and who's not watching us, if our worship is predicated upon it, whether we got a text or whether we got an update on our social media site, heaven forbid you check a social media site in the house of God. Oh, well, I got to know what Bubba and Sissy's doing. Find out after church what Bubba and Sissy's doing. You know what you're showing them? They're more important than God. Because you're more concerned about them than you are your own soul and God. Some of some of the shot that I am some of our biggest things we deal with has to do about us and not about him. I had a man, matter of fact, a man, Brother Riggin, prayed through. He had five back surgeries. And he got in church. Never been in an apostolic church. Didn't know anything about it. He got in church and we, we was having service. My wife got healed that day. Another lady got healed. Brother, she'd been taking medicine that cost over $800 a month. Matter of fact, it's related to Sister Kate, my adopted daughter. She's related to her. Took over 800. One pill was $800. She come up the same time God healed my wife. God healed that lady. She takes no medicine now. She's not on any stomach medicine whatsoever, and she'd been on it for years. Brother, I was glad that they wasn't checking social media sites when the Holy Ghost was moving. But that same man, he sat on my first row. 
five back surgeries. Many times he come in on a cane. He's not an old man. He, you know, not now. He might have been when I was younger. He might have been. He's about 50, a little over 50 years old maybe. He come in there. That's what I said. <laughs> he come in. He's sitting there. Holy Ghost is moving. He's sitting there. All of a sudden, he starts going. He's leaping. He's jumping. I'm looking at him. I'm like, oh, you know, praise God. He's sitting there. He, he come up. He's like, he grabs me. He said, I ain't got no pain. And he starts dancing with me. Five back surgeries. He, you know, he shouted. He goes to the doctor and he tells the doctor, he said, how come I can do that in church but I can't do it anywhere else? doctor said, well, that's just a Pentecostal experience. And he said, well, can I have a Pentecostal experience all the time? But you know what that is? That's making your priority God. When you're not worried what's going on beyond them doors right there. When you're not focused on somebody else. I told my church, I said, you know what bothers me more than anything? Somebody said, oh, that just blessed my soul to see them worship. Your soul didn't get blessed. You might have got enjoyment watching it. But your soul gets blessed when you're up there going, whoo, man, that's when you get blessed. You don't get blessed by looking around. You get blessed by participating. Give me just a few more minutes. I, I know I ain't going to get, I ain't even to my second verse yet. And I got three pages of notes. But you know, we're so caught up on, on trying to orchestrate the move of God. Oh, if you sing that song, boy, I'm going to run. If I knew that, I wouldn't sing this song on purpose. Because if your worship is predicated on what song comes out of these people up here singing, you ain't got anything. If you only dance because your pastor's sitting here, you ain't got anything. You got preacher religion. Oh, you're preaching hard. No, I'm preaching God. Because God ought to be your priority. God ought to be number one. When God becomes your priority, your phones stay in the car. When God becomes your priority, your worship is full go. You ain't looking at somebody else. You ain't looking at Brother Jared's running. You ain't looking at somebody else's dancing. You're tuning in. You're tuning in. You're saying, whoo, man, I feel the holy. You begin to touch God. Hallelujah. Be seated. I'm going to skip down because I need to get done. Hallelujah. John chapter 11, beginning with verse number 11. Hallelujah. Talking about Lazarus. These things said he, and after that he said unto him, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that my, I might awake him out of sleep. Then the disciples said, Lord, if he sleepeth, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death. But they thought he had spoken of taking rest and sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. In verse 15, he said, I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent that ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. I'm glad, I'm glad he is dead. Now you're going to get to see something. Mary and Martha, and I'm not even going to get into it. They're sitting there. 
Martha runs to meet Jesus, and I'm just going to cut so I can, I can get, we can get to a close. He's going to run. Mary's going to sit in the house. Bible says Mary sits still in the house. Oh, I just, oh, my brother's dead. She accepted his death. Here comes Jesus. He, he's the healer. Well, you know what? <laughs> I failed God. I'll just accept it. I, I'm going to be lost and go to hell. I'll just accept it. Boy, that's a lot to accept. I can't get the Holy Ghost. I'll just accept it. Why would you accept not getting the touch of God? Here comes Jesus walking in. Martha runs to Mary and said, hey, Mary. He said, hey, man, Jesus is there. Jesus stayed right where he was. Jesus could have went to Mary. He could have went to that house. He could have walked there and said, Mary, what's wrong with you? He said, nope, I want to see if she's going to come to me. You know, some of us sit here and say, well, if God wants me to gather, he'll give it to me. God wants me to get the Holy Ghost. It'll happen right here in this pew. If God wants to give it to me, it ain't about God wanting. God said, I'm not willing that any should perish, uh, but that all should come to repentance. Uh, there's no question what God wants. Uh, there's no question what he wants. It's what do you want? Well, there, there it comes. Mary gets up and she goes running to him. You know, oh, Jesus, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Oh. Bible said Jesus wept. I heard people say he was sleeping for old poor old Lazarus. Well, why would he do that? He was fixing to raise him from the dead. He was weeping because of their unbelief. He wasn't sitting there going, oh, Lazarus is dead. I can't believe it. When he knew he was going to walk up and say, Lazarus, come for He knew what he was going to do. But he began to weep because they were mourning. And he said, hey, they don't see who I am. They don't know who I am. And I'm getting to the crux of where God began to deal with me. Some of us don't really realize who he is and what he can do. We say, oh, I know he's God. He can do anything except to get past your unbelief. Why don't people get the Holy Ghost? Two reasons. Unbelief and unrepentant sin. If you repent of your sins and you believe that God's going to fill you, there ain't anything that can stop that, elder. Well, I can't get back to where I used to be. And God, Some of you used to dance and shout. Some of you used to be in, in tune with God. What happened to it? I haven't been here and that, that elder hadn't said nothing to me. I know what I feel in the Holy Ghost. I know, I know where I'm going in the Holy Ghost. I don't need somebody to tell me. If I ever have a preacher try to tell me, I run from it. I was preaching in a place and I hit something. That pastor run up and hit me on the back and he said, say it again because I know. I turn around and hit you once. I don't need to say it again. If he wants to say it, he can say it. But you know what? I don't need men filling my ears when God's talking to me. When God talks to me, I know where I'm going. I know what's going on. I was at a place, and it's not me, it's God. I, I, those things going on, I told the pastor, I said, that man right there, I said, he's paid for abortions. He's been in homosexual acts. And the pastor said, oh, you think so? I said, no, God told me. It wasn't me, Brother Regan. I can't do that. That pastor walks up and he calls that man up front. That man's going, nope, nope, nope. He walked back and said, you missed it. I said, no, I didn't. 
He said, you missed it. I said, no, I didn't. I'm not, I'm not building me up. I'm building God up because I'm fixing to tell you what happened. I got back the next night and I began to preach. And I said, somebody in here lied to the Holy Ghost. I said, you lied to your pastor. I said, if you don't make it right, God's judging you. I didn't come to preach that. I was in the middle of a faith message, stopped halfway through and said that. Brother, that man bolted to the front. He said, I paid for two abortions and I've been in three homosexual affairs. That pastor looks at me and goes, I said, Elder, it's not me, it's God. Because if that man don't repent, he's going to be lost. You know what? We get scared when a preacher starts walking the logs. We get scared when God starts talking to a preacher. No, you should be saying, thank you, God. Thank you. When he comes down and he begins to get in that uh, perversion spirit and he begins to talk about it, it ought to bring you to your feet. It ought to say, God, forgive me, God. Forgive me, God. You see, well, you know, we forget, brother, that's the mercies of God. Oh, well, I'm scared of that preacher. He, he's going he's gonna to know my sins. No, he's only going to know what God tells him to preach. There's been many places I preached, and I didn't know where the sin was. I just began to preach. I began to obey God, listen to God. People began to come up. I didn't know who they was. We think, well, that preacher got me. I don't. He does. You think your little perversion's covered? It ain't covered. Oh, my God, you're going to scare me. No, you're going to be saved if you listen to preaching. If you listen to your man of God, you're going to be saved. When he gets up here and he begins to deal with things, don't say, oh, God, I can't go there. I'm scared. Do you want to sin? Because if you want to sin, you don't want to be around God anyway. Oh, you're preaching too hard. Hey, I tell one guy, I said, you're going to run people off. I said, if they love God, they ain't going to go. If there's something in me, God, I want to know. If I went and done something... I shouldn't be doing, I'd expect a man of God to get up here and begin to proclaim the truth and begin to blow the trumpet and begin to lift up. I would want him to preach it to me. I wouldn't want to go to hell for anything. I wouldn't want to be lost for one side of a pornography website. been pastor near as long as your pastor give me just a couple more minutes but I was in my we, we dismissed the other day and I had a backslider from another apostolic church years ago walk in the back door she walked in and she said can I talk to you pastor I said yeah let me get my wife we walked in the office and she said I know you don't know who I am she said but I was raised in apostolic church all my life she said I know I'm a backslider she said, but I, I need to know something. I said, okay. She said, and this is after they passed the, the, the uh, same-sex marriage. She said, I got to know something. I said, what, what's that? She said, my husband, after they passed that, he, he come to me and he said, 
He said, I know. He said, I know you know there's been problems for years because we haven't been intimate. He goes, but I'm attracted to another man. I've only been pastoring three years. That's something you need to handle. She said, is it okay to get a divorce? I ask you a question? She said, yeah. I said, you have the Holy Ghost? She said, well, I had it a long time ago. I don't know more. I said, then why are you worried? I said, what you need to do is get in an altar and pray through and let God help you with all this. I said, you want me to okay what you want to do to ease your conscience? You see, that's why we like going into the pastor's office so he can ease our conscience and say, it's okay. It's going to be all right. Instead of going to an altar and praying through over it. And there's nothing wrong with counseling, don't get me wrong. But I have learned, Elder, that there's a lot of counseling that could be saved if people would listen to the preaching of the Word of God. I don't know if I'm saved or lost. Have you been filled with the Holy Ghost baptized in Jesus' name? That's a good way to know if you're saved or you're lost. Have you talked in tongues lately? Have you prayed through lately? But we're scared, preacher. Don't, don't stir me. Don't shake me. I'm, I'm complacent. And that's what I wanted to preach about. The devil comes to kill, to steal, and destroy, and we're, we're complacent. The devil comes into church service, elder. We shouldn't sit back and say, okay, you steal our victory. You steal our joy. My Bible says leap for joy. It didn't say, ooh, I'm happy today. No. It means when you're going through hell and everything's coming your way. And man, it, it's hard to put one foot in front of the other. And the devil's saying, don't come to church. And we've accepted it. We've laid in bed and not got up. We've made excuses not to come. We've accepted what the devil's told us. You don't need to go there. You don't need to pray. You don't need to. And we sit there, oh yeah, I am kind of tired. And then we get here in the songs not fast, it's slow. I can't worship the slow music. It, don't, it shouldn't matter if the tears are coursing down your face or you're doing a 360 spinning around as fast as you can. Worship ain't predicated on the music. It ain't predicated on the beating of the drums. Don't get me wrong, I love music. I love good music. My, my, thank God my girls and my wife, God's blessed them. We've got drums now. We've got a guitar player now. God's blessed us with all that. We, I believe you need music to worship God. But if that's the only way you can worship God, then you don't have a relationship with God. You've got it with the music. What would you do if a preacher walked down and put his hand in your what would you do if Nathan walked up to you like he did David? Pointed that bony little finger in his and said, you're the, you're the man, son. David's the king. <laughs> he could have said, take him out and behead him. You know, that's what we do. That preacher gets to preaching, and in the spirit, he pointed that finger in our nose. We'll just walk out. We'll just, we'll just, we won't put nothing in the ties today. I'll starve him out. When I started my church, I had over $10,000 given to me by backsliders to start a church. 
when God puts you there, God's going to supply. And if you ever think that it's happening through you, God can cut you off. It depends on your response. They come to the music, so I, I, I'll speed it up a little bit. But it depends on your response when he walks up and puts that finger in your face. One of two things are going to happen. You're going to fall on your knees like David did. And you're going to begin to repent. God, God, forgive me. Or you're going to get mad and you're going to say, get out of my face, preacher. I don't need to hear it. I'll take care of it myself. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. I want to prophesy to somebody right now. That's going to happen to you in the near future. And your response is going to depend on whether you're saved or you're lost. You're going to say, it ain't going to my car. It's going to come down your road. You hear me today. And it's going to depend on if you love God or you love yourself. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost. Woo. Ain't no man going to tell me what to do. That's where your problem is. That's all he is is a man. That's a man of God. That's God speaking through him. My God. I know. You're sitting there thinking, yeah, yeah, well, we, we've heard this before. It's coming. I, I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost, uh, it's coming. And when God does it, uh, God's going to show your spirit one way or the other. God. You can get up in this man's face and raise your voice. You think you're talking to a man. David was smart enough to realize that's not a man. He got down there to Regan. He probably got down at Nathan's feet. And he said, oh, God, God, thank you, God, for talking to me. God, thank you, God. We want to get mad and say, oh, who's that preacher think he is? He's trying to save your soul. 
Kadaya Bokotora Yamahe. I promise you I didn't plan to go this route but you know what I, I never turn from where God sends me my God I gotta obey the Holy Ghost right now I, I, I just gotta go Some of you are upset because of the time he spends in Africa. Some of you feel neglected. I promise I didn't mean to go this way. But God's using this man to do a work and start it in Africa. And some of you feel so like, oh, but you know what? He don't leave this place in shambles. He leaves it good. He leaves good men here to preach. He's got good men that are here when he's gone. He's got good young men here preaching. But we predicated on whether he's here. And you feel by sitting back and not worshiping, you feel like you're withdrawing because you're going to show him. God, oh my God, God's standing back. And he's got them arms crossed. I can see him right now. And he's looking and saying, you're neglecting me. You're neglecting my spirit. You're neglecting me. You're not neglecting man. But when I move in and a sovereign move of the Holy Ghost moves in, you regret, you sit back, and you neglect the move of the Holy Ghost. Because your feelings are hurt. He didn't say nothing to me. Don't worry about that. If you want to get mad at somebody, get mad at me. But don't get mad at God because God gave this to me today. I've got my pulse on somebody right now. I, I got your pulse. I got my hands on your pulse right now. God, when you move in here, God, I don't want to neglect you, God. Some of you need to get your feelings off your shirt sleeves. You don't even realize that this church is part of what's going on over there. You don't even realize you're a part of it.
Jesus vai vestir. someone here you need to fall on your face and you need to beg God to forgive you God forgive me for having feelings I shouldn't have God forgive me God for holding back my worship Forgive me, God. What kind of response is it going to be today? Is it going to be the kind where you fall on your face? Or is it going to be the kind where you stiffen your neck? Say, ain't no preacher going to tell me. Ain't no preacher going to tell me. You let your boss tell you for a paycheck. I'm not even going to give all four walls your call. You just need to respond to what you're feeling right now. You need to respond to God. You need to fall on your face and say, God. Attitude from me, God. Take this spirit from me, God. Don't just come up here and lay ease your conscience, but you need to pour it out. You need to pour some things out on that altar today. You need to pour some things out upon the altar. You need to pour some things out to God. Don't just come. I, I'm not even looking who's coming. I, it's between you and God. But don't just come so somebody will think, well, I'm doing what the preacher said. My God, I'd pour it out today. I'd pour it out today. I'd be like David. Oh, thank God. That God cared enough. That God cared enough not to let me be lost. <laughs>